This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. For the first day of February 2024, here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. Senators grill big tech CEOs on Capitol Hill over child sexual exploitation. I'm John Stolness in Washington. The U.S. has decided who is responsible for the drone strike that killed three American soldiers in Jordan. There will be a response. Sagar Magani, Washington. The House has done something that's been rather rare lately, passing a bill with broad bipartisan support. Ben Thomas, Washington. A resignation amid more alleged political corruption in one American state. I can be bought. (laughs) I'm Clayton Neville. February trading begins this morning. After a big sell-off for stocks yesterday, the Fed says no interest rate cuts are coming anytime soon. I'm Jessica Edinger. A federal judge dismissed Disney's free speech lawsuit against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm Ed Donahue. All ahead on America in the Morning. Five of the country's biggest tech CEOs were before a skeptical Senate Judiciary Committee promising to do all they can to prevent the exploitation of children on their websites. John Stolnes has a recap. It was at times a contentious hearing. Senator, I view my job and the job of our company as building the best tools that we can to keep our community safe. Well, you're failing at that. Well, Senator, we're doing an industry-leading effort. We build AI oh, tools nonsense. that... Your product is killing people. Will you personally commit to compensating the victims? You're a billionaire. Republican Senator Josh Hawley laying into Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg over what Hawley feels is his company's refusal to take responsibility for children who have been harmed by Meta's Instagram platform. Zuckerberg at one point rising from his seat and turning to apologize to family members of victims sitting in the audience holding up pictures of their loved ones. And this is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing industry-leading efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. Senators are demanding accountability from Zuckerberg, as well as Discord's Jason Citron, Snap CEO Evan Spiegel, TikTok CEO Shuzi Chu, and ex-CEO Linda Yaccarino, all of whom say programs have been put in place to better prevent and track harmful engagement on their respective platforms. Democratic Chairman Dick Durbin. Discord has been used to groom, abduct, and abuse children. Meta's Instagram helped connect and promote a network of pedophiles. Snapchat's disappearing messages have been co-opted by criminals who financially extort young victims. TikTok has become a, quote, platform of choice for predators to access, engage, and groom children for abuse. And the prevalence of CSAM on X has grown as the company has gutted its trust and safety workforce. The bipartisan Stop CSAM Act, CSAM stands for Child Sexual Abuse Material, would implement ways for companies to be sued and force them to do more to prevent their platforms from being used in harmful ways. The Senate notes the number of victims identified in CSAM rose almost tenfold from 2009 to 2022, from 2,172 victims to over 21,000. John Stolnes, Washington. The U.S. has determined who is responsible for the drone strike that killed three American soldiers in Jordan. As for what comes next, Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports the Biden administration will carry out a response that it says will cover the course of several days and is putting Iran on notice. I do hold them responsible in the sense that they're supplying the weapons to the people who did it. It wasn't one group. We believe that the... Uh, uh, the attack uh, in Jordan was uh, 
was uh, planned, resourced, and facilitated by an umbrella group called the Islamic Resistance in Iraq, uh, which contains uh, multiple groups, including Kitab Hezbollah. Which National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says U.S. intelligence believes planned, resourced, and facilitated the attack. The umbrella group also includes the militant group Kitab Hezbollah. Kirby says President Biden's still weighing options for what comes next. We're going to respond to the killing of our three soldiers. He's already, he told you that yesterday. He's made his decision, there will be a response. As for what it might look like. When you're talking about what we're anticipating here, which won't just be a one-off, as I said, the first thing you see will not be the last thing. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces in that, in terms of what you're gonna choose to, to go after, and what you're electing not to go after, and why, and, and he asks all those questions. He did that in this case, but it's a it's an iterative process. Iran is threatening its own decisive response to any U.S. attack on the Islamic Republic after the Biden administration said it holds Tehran in part responsible for the strike for backing the militias. The fact that this one had lethal consequences doesn't mean that the previous ones weren't intended by these Iran-backed militias to have that same effect. This time they killed Americans and they wounded a lot of them. We are not looking for a war with Iran. We are not seeking a conflict with the regime in a military way. Well, we're not looking to escalate here. This attack over the weekend was escalatory. Make no mistake about it. And it requires a response. Make no mistake about that. Sagar Magani, Washington. Bipartisan support. One bill passes that story when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is America in the Morning. Tomorrow, a significant day in meteorology. It's Groundhog Day, but let's get today's forecast from AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. The latest major storm to enter the U.S. has continued to have a wide reach through the West Coast states, from Washington to Idaho, southward to California, into Utah and Arizona. The heaviest focus of the rain today will be in Southern California into Nevada, where one to two inches of rain can fall through the day and local amounts up to four inches. This will lead to some flooding concerns as well as risk for mudslides. Heavy snow will also continue across the Sierra Nevada ranges with a storm total of one to two feet in the Donner Pass region. 
Along with the heavy rain and snow, winds will also continue to be strong with some gusts up to 60 miles per hour along the coast. This could cause some power outages with the softened ground. The core of this storm will continue to move eastward through the southwest with rain spreading through southern Arizona and snow falling over the northern mountains. This will expand into western Colorado and New Mexico later tonight. Despite the main part of the storm being to the south, the impacts and rain and snow showers will continue through Nevada, Utah, and Idaho. Meanwhile, in the northeast, another clipper system will move southward through Canada and shift into New England. This associated cold front will extend westward through the Great Lakes. This front will cause a few rain and snow showers along the way from eastern Michigan through New York and carrying eastward through Maine and Massachusetts. A period of steadier snow in northern New England could produce an inch or two, mainly in the mountains. It is going to be another very nice day through the plains into the Rockies with temperatures well above average. That's the weather across America. McAllen, Texas will have a warm day with a mix of clouds and sun and a high of 81. Las Vegas, Nevada will be fairly cloudy with periods of rain and a high of 58. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Follow us everywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. The House has done something that's been rare lately, passing a bill with broad bipartisan support. Correspondent Ben Thomas reports. It's a roughly $79 billion tax cut package focused on helping businesses and lower-income families. It expands the child tax credit and restores three key business tax breaks. Speaker Mike Johnson said the bill would revive conservative pro-growth tax reform. And while some Democrats complained it offered too little for the poor, Representative Richard Neal said 16 million children will benefit. Prospects for the measure becoming law remain uncertain with the Senate still having to take it up, but it passed 357 to 70. And for a House that struggled to get bills of consequence over the finish line, it appears something of a breakthrough. Ben Thomas, Washington. Alleged political corruption in Arizona as a Democrat state lawmaker resigns following an ethics investigation. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports. Democratic Arizona State Rep Lisa Sun resigned a day after a report was released in an ethics investigation surrounding her behavior as a state lawmaker. This the latest fallout into alleged corruption in Arizona politics. Carrie Lake reportedly came forward with audio released by the Daily Mail of what she says was a bribe to keep her out of the Senate race in Arizona during a phone call she had with the chairman of the Arizona Republican Party. Is there a number at which... I can be bought. <laughs> That's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. And then go right back to where you're No. This week, the focus was on Representative Sun. An ethics committee investigated three allegations against her, including an accusation that she threatened to throw a Tolleson City official off a balcony. She was also accused of threatening retaliation against a school superintendent and using her position as a state lawmaker to meddle in a child custody case she wasn't involved in. The committee found the threats credible and Sun faced possible expulsion before she stepped down. I'm Clayton Neville. When we return on America in the Morning, the Fed's decision on interest rates and proposed purchase of Paramount after these messages.
America in the Morning continues. Media entrepreneur Byron Allen is trying again. His Allen Media Group has made a $14.3 billion takeover offer to buy Paramount Global the home of CBS and the Paramount Hollywood studio. Last year, Allen made an even larger offer for the company, which was rebuffed. The bid comes as another company, David Ellison's Skydance Media and Warner Brothers Discovery, expressed similar interest in Paramount Global, which has been exploring a sale in the past months. Stock in Paramount Global has fallen over 35% in the past year. The Fed on interest rates. Here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. The Fed leaves interest rates right where they are and then indicated no cuts are coming in March either. When you say when you ask me about in the near term, right. I'm hearing that as March, I would say uh, I don't think that's it's probably not the most likely case or what we would call the base case. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell and stocks plunged on that news yesterday. The major averages all in the red to wrap up the month of January. So for yesterday, the Dow fell 300 points. The Nasdaq was down 345 points. But for the month, the major averages were all up at least 1%. So it was a winning month. Private payroll growth slowed to a more normal number in January. The ADP employment report came in at 107,000 new jobs created, well below the 150,000 expected. If you take a step back from this data, um, the, the thing that you see is perhaps just things getting back to normal. 100,000 on the private sector, that's a pretty good number in normal times. But remember, we're coming off a two, three, four hundred thousand as this uh, uh, job sector was still adjusting to the post-pandemic period. CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leesman. On today's watch list, we get another load of earnings reports from Facebook parent Meta, Apple and Amazon. We find out how many people applied for unemployment benefits last week. Also tonight, Elvis Presley's Gretsch guitar from his Las Vegas residency will be auctioned by Christie's. They estimate it'll pull in at least a quarter million dollars. Jessica Ettinger with Thursday Business. Thank you. A drug maker is ending development of a controversial high-priced Alzheimer's medication. Correspondent Rita Foley reports. It was once seen as a potential blockbuster in the treatment of Alzheimer's, the drug Aduhelm. But doctors were hesitant to prescribe it, given weak evidence that the drug slows Alzheimer's. Aduhelm was initially priced at $56,000 a year. Insurers blocked or restricted coverage, and Medicare imposed strict limits on who could get it. Now Biogen says it will stop developing the drug and end sales, and it'll pull the plug on a study needed for full approval from the FDA. Biogen says it'll focus now on other treatments for Alzheimer's, the fatal mind-robbing disease. The company is also helping Japanese drug maker Asai sell another Alzheimer's treatment, the Kembi, which already has full FDA approval. I'm Rita Foley. When we return on America in the Morning, courtroom loss for the House of Mouse after these messages. Back with you now on America in the Morning. Thanks for listening. A federal judge dismissed Disney's free speech lawsuit it brought against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Ed Donahue has details. 
Disney argued a bill signed by DeSantis that transferred control of the Disney World Governing District from supporters of Disney to DeSantis appointees was in retaliation for the company publicly supporting Florida's so-called Don't Say Gay law supported by the governor. The judge ruled Disney didn't have standing to sue. When a law on its face is constitutional, plaintiffs can't make free speech claims challenging it because they believe lawmakers acted with unconstitutional motives. Disney plans to appeal. The district has provided municipal services around Disney properties for more than five decades. A spokesman for DeSantis says Disney doesn't have a right to its own special government. I'm Ed Donahue. Tomorrow is the much-anticipated meteorological milestone and the question, what will Punxsutawney Phil predict? Will there be six more weeks of winter or an early spring? Correspondent Donna Warder reports. I see a shadow on my stage. And so, no matter how you measure, it's six more weeks of winter weather. That was last year's prediction. And on Friday, the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club gathers once again at Gobbler's Knob in Pennsylvania. William Donner, anthropology professor at Kutztown University in Pennsylvania, says the tradition began in Europe with a hibernating badger or bear. I think it's just, um, you know, a kind of sense. So let's do something kind of traditional, like Santa Claus, you know. Uh, let's have uh, some kind of fun with a traditional icon and, you know, just pretend uh, that somehow it's going to tell us what the weather's about. In eastern and central Pennsylvania, people of German descent have been watching the groundhog's annual emergence from hibernation for centuries. I'm Donna Water. Stay tuned. America in the Morning for Thursday, February 1st, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Our senior producer is Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Here's what's coming up this half hour. Social media company CEOs have been defending their efforts to protect young people from exploitation. Sagar Magani, Washington. A video of migrants kicking police officers in New York City causes disgust within NYPD. I'm Clayton Neville. A man is accused of killing his father and posting the disturbing video to social media. I'm Katie Clark with details. Utah becomes the latest state to ban diversity programs in universities and state government. I'm Jennifer King. A new federal report says the number of syphilis cases in the U.S. is rising. I'm Donna Water. Alec Baldwin offered a plea in the Rust shooting. I'm Kevin Carr. Back after these messages. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.
you're with America in the morning, welcome back. Beginning in the Northeast, AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy has today's outlook. In the Northeast, another clipper-type storm will be moving southward through Canada and shift into New England. The associated cold front will extend westward through the Great Lakes. This front will cause a few rain and snow showers along the way from eastern Michigan into New York and carrying eastward into Maine and Massachusetts. A period of steadier snow in northern New England could produce an inch or two, mainly in the mountains of the region. This cold front will continue to produce a period of rain tonight through northern Virginia into Maryland and Pennsylvania, then continuing into southern New England, while snow showers continue to form to the north of the front through New York and northern New England. Meanwhile, a major storm in the west is continuing to have a wide reach along the west coast from Washington to Idaho into Southern California, Utah, and Arizona. The heaviest focus of the rain today will be in Southern California into Nevada, where one to two inches of rain can fall through the day and local amounts up to four inches. This will lead to some flooding concerns as well as a risk for some mudslides. Heavy snow will continue across the Sierra Nevada with a storm total of one to two feet in the Donner Pass region. Along with the heavy snow and rain, There'll be winds gusting up to 60 miles per hour along the coast. This could cause some power outages with the softened ground. And the core of this storm will be moving eastward through the southwest with rain spreading through southern Arizona and snow falling over the northern mountains. This will continue to expand into western Colorado and New Mexico later tonight. And then despite the main part of the storm being to the south, there will still be impacts with rain and snow showers through Nevada, Utah, and Idaho. Looking at the areas in between the storms, many places in the plains into the southeast are going to see plenty of sunshine today with temperatures remaining well above historical average. That's the nation's weather. I'm MackieWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. At a very contentious Senate hearing, social media company CEOs defended their efforts to protect young people from online exploitation. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. I do hold responsible in the sense of supplying the weapons to the people who did it. It wasn't one group. We believe that the uh, uh, the attack in Jordan was uh, was uh, planned, resourced, and facilitated by an umbrella group called the Islamic Resistance in Iraq, uh, which contains uh, multiple groups, including. Hezbollah. Which National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says U.S. intelligence believes planned, resourced, and facilitated the attack. The umbrella group also includes the militant group Kitab Hezbollah. Kirby says President Biden's still weighing options for what comes next. We're going to respond to the killing of our three soldiers. He's already, he told you that yesterday. He's made his decision. There will be a response. As for what it might look like. When you're talking about what we're anticipating here, which won't just be a one-off, as I said, the first thing you see will not be the last thing. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces in that in terms of what you're going to choose to go after and what you're electing not to go after and why. And, and he asks all those questions. He did that in this case. But it's, a, it's an iterative process. Iran is threatening its own decisive response to any U.S. attack on the Islamic Republic after the Biden administration said it holds Tehran in part responsible for the strike for backing the militias. The fact that this one had lethal consequences doesn't mean that the previous ones weren't intended by these Iran-backed militias to have that same effect. This time they killed Americans and they wounded a lot of them. We are not looking for a war with Iran. 
We are not seeking a conflict with the regime uh, in a military way. Well, we're not looking to escalate here. This attack over the weekend was escalatory. Make no mistake about it. And it requires a response. Make no mistake about that. Sagar Megani, Washington. Concern in New York City after video footage of police officers being kicked and hit in the face by a group of migrants in Times Square. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports there is outrage across the country and law enforcement community. Police in New York City are disgusted. You want to know why our cops are getting assaulted? There's no consequences. And we must change this. End of story. John Schell is the NYPD chief of patrol and describes the weekend beating of two officers. Saturday afternoon about 4 o'clock, 42nd Street and 7th Avenue, a lieutenant and a police officer from Midtown South being directed towards the Sorley group. As they clear, try to clear that group. You saw the video. Reprehensible. Cowards. You have eight people attacking a lieutenant and a cop running up to them, trying to kick him in the face and kick him in the face. The frustration from some in the law enforcement community extends beyond the video and to what happened after the attack. Four of the five suspects were arrested on scene, but all four were later released by a judge with no bail. The four that were arrested should be sitting in Rikers right now, on bail, should be indicted this week and taken off our streets. A fifth suspect was eventually arrested, and prosecutors in Manhattan say all the suspects face potential felony charges, but say they're still reviewing the video, and the investigation is ongoing. Meanwhile, New York Governor Kathy Hochul says she thinks deporting the accused migrants should be a consideration. I'm Clayton Neville. This is the House and Senators snipping back and forth over how to handle the southern border. A bipartisan deal for border security was in the works in the Senate, but facing backlash from conservatives within his party, House Speaker Mike Johnson has said that the deal is dead on arrival in his chamber. The American military is reporting that a missile fired by the Houthis in Yemen came within one mile of a U.S. Navy ship patrolling in the area. Attending a meeting of European Union defense ministers, EU foreign policy chief Burrell tells reporters they want to add to the current U.S.-led military presence in the region and launch a naval mission in the Red Sea within three weeks to help defend commercial shipping. Correspondent Charles de Ledesma has been following the story. Last week, U.S. and British forces bombed multiple targets in eight locations used by the Iranian-backed Houthis. It was the second time the two allies have conducted coordinated retaliatory strikes on an array of the rebels' missile-launching capabilities. We are all concerned by the traffic to the canal. Many European firms ask us to do that because their business model is suffering a lot due to the high increase in cost on having to go down to the South Africa and do all the tour until Europe. It's affecting costs, so it's affecting prices, so it's affecting inflation. High Representative Joseph Borrell says the EU mission will not take part in any military strikes. This is the purpose, protection of the ships, intercepting the attacks against the ships, not participating in any kind of uh, actions against the Houthis, only blocking the attacks of the Houthis 
with a boat. Burrell adds businesses have been demanding EU action, given the trade implications of forcing merchant ships to bypass the Red Sea on their way to and from Europe. I'm Charles Dilatesma. A jet hangar under construction on the grounds of the airport in Boise, Idaho, collapsed, killing at least three people yesterday. Five others are in critical condition. Boise Fire Department officials said a steel-framed hangar suffered a catastrophic failure. All workers at the site were accounted for. An investigation is underway to determine how the structure caved in. Banning college diversity programs and the latest concern on the U.S. medical front, syphilis. Those stories when America in the Morning continues after these messages. This is America in the Morning. Welcome back. I'm John Trout. A Pennsylvania man was arrested after he posted a video to social media of him holding the severed head of his father. Katie Clark has details. Justin Moan of Middletown Township posted a disturbing 14-minute video to YouTube, which was up for hours and got around 5,000 views before it was taken down. Viewers saw him ranting about the government and showing his dad's decapitated head in a plastic bag. He was 100 miles away from the crime scene when he was arrested. Police were able to find his location by pinging his cell phone. Moan was taken into custody while in possession of a firearm. He lived with his parents. Neighbor Carrie McCarthy describes recognizing him in the video. I, I totally screamed like I somebody sent the video and I was like, oh, my God, that's the guy that, you know, I see every day that I knew something, you know, something was unhinged with him. Another neighbor, Bart DeHaven, describes his odd behavior. I made a couple calls to the police department because he was sitting right there on that culvert thing staring at my house constantly. So I thought that's kind of strange. Middletown Township Police Chief Joseph Bartarilla speaking on WPVI TV Philadelphia detailing the arrest. Our officers from our police department drove up to Fort Indian Town Gap to take custody of him, bring him back to Bucks County for arraignment. Justin Moan is accused of first-degree murder and decapitation of a corpse. I'm Katie Clark. Utah becomes the latest state to ban diversity programs at universities and in the state government. Correspondent Jennifer King reports. The measure, signed by Utah's Republican Governor Spencer Cox, was passed through the State House along party lines last week. It will bar Utah's state universities and government from having offices dedicated to promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion, known as DEI. And they also can't require employees to submit statements expressing a commitment to those principles. Cox said funding will be repurposed to help all Utah students succeed regardless of their backgrounds. Florida and Texas were the first to ban diversity efforts in higher education last year. Iowa and Oklahoma are among the other states that have followed suit. An AP analysis finds Republicans in at least 17 states have proposed some three dozen bills regarding DEI initiatives, while Democrats in nine states have filed at least 20 bills to promote diversity efforts. I'm Jennifer King. A crash test at the University of Nebraska finds that electric vehicles can't handle the heavy weight of the nation's guardrail system. Correspondent Haya Panjwani reports. The test crash used an electric-powered pickup truck that was hurled towards a guardrail on a testing ground at the edge of the local municipal airport. The four-ton 2022 Rivian tore through a heavy guardrail and didn't slow down until it hit a concrete barrier yards away on the other side of the test. 
The concern around the crash test results come as popularity of electric vehicles rises and transportation officials are sounding alarms around the weight disparity between battery-powered vehicles and gas-powered ones. On the other hand, road safety officials say the heavy weight of the vehicles offers better protection to its occupants. I'm Hayapanjwan. A new federal report says the number of syphilis cases in the U.S. is on the rise. With more on that story, here's correspondent Donna Warder. Officials at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say the rate of infectious syphilis cases rose 9% in 2022 and that the more than 207,000 cases is the highest count in the U.S. since 1950. They say syphilis is less common than other STDs, such as gonorrhea and chlamydia, but it's considered more dangerous. And while syphilis continues to have a disproportionate impact on gay and bisexual men, it's expanding in heterosexual men and women and increasingly affecting newborns. The CDC says gonorrhea cases dropped 9% in 2022, and chlamydia cases were relatively flat. I'm Donna Water. Chinese-sponsored hacking seems to be in the news a lot of late, but a serious threat to our infrastructure was thwarted by U.S. cybersecurity specialists and the FBI. With that story, here's our Chuck Palm. Hackers linked to Chinese government are targeting U.S. critical infrastructure, preparing to cause real-world harm, according to FBI Director Christopher Wray, who told a congressional committee yesterday. Water treatment plants, electrical grid, oil, natural gas pipelines, and transportation hubs are among the targets of state-sponsored hacking operations. Later, Ray announced that they had disrupted a sweeping Chinese cyber spying operation. He had this to say on USA Today. We've now reached the point where the FBI is opening a new China-related counterintelligence case about every 10 hours. General Paul Nakasomi, who recently stepped down as the head of the U.S. Cyber Command, had this to say, This is the cyberspace equivalent of placing bombs on American bridges, water treatment facilities, and power plants. There is no economic benefit for these actions. For more tech news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. In with sports this Thursday, America in the Morning's Robert Workman. One more spot filled on the NFL coaching carousel. The Seahawks have hired former Ravens defensive coordinator Michael McDonald as their new head coach. Reportedly on a six-year contract, the 36-year-old becomes the youngest coach in the NFL, replacing Pete Carroll, who had been the oldest. Baltimore led the league in points allowed, sacks, and takeaways this season. Now only the Commanders are still searching for a new head coach. NBA, Donovan Mitchell had 45 points, 20 of those in the fourth quarter, to lead the Cavaliers past the Pistons, 128-121. Blazers stopped the Bucks 119-116. Damian Lillard had 20 in his first game back in Portland since the trade to Milwaukee, which falls to 0-2 under Doc Rivers. Bulls pulled away for a 117-110 victory over the Hornets, 35 for Kobe White. Thunder edged the Nuggets, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 34. Suns ripped the Nets, Kevin Durant with 33 in his return to Brooklyn. Heat snap a seven-game losing streak by beating the Kings. Timberwolves, Clippers, Pelicans, and Magic win. College basketball, number one Connecticut cut down Providence, while number two Purdue needed overtime to subdue Northwestern. Zach Eady, 30 points and 15 rebounds. He scored the Boilermakers' first 10 points in OT. 10th-ranked Kentucky lost in overtime at home to Florida. NHL wins for the Senators, Kings, and Ducks. That's Thursday Sports. Thank you, sir. And, of course, from Las Vegas, February 11th, the Super Bowl, the new backstory emerging, you can't bet on Taylor Swift. That story and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages.
We're back. This is America in the Morning. Alec Baldwin was in a New Mexico court to enter a plea in the case involving the shooting on the movie set of Rust. Kevin Carr has the story. On Wednesday in a New Mexico courtroom, Alec Baldwin pled not guilty to involuntary manslaughter in the October 2021 death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. After an initial investigation, Baldwin was charged with involuntary manslaughter in January of last year, but the charges were dropped in April. New forensic testing revealed the weapon could not have been discharged without someone actually pulling the trigger. This led to a grand jury which indicted the 65-year-old actor on January 19th. In a December 2021 interview with George Stephanopoulos, Baldwin denied pulling the trigger but claims to have moved the hammer. I let go of the hammer, the gun, the gun goes off. At the moment. That was the moment the gun went off, yeah. That was the moment the gun went off. It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. Last year, First Assistant Director David Halls pled guilty to unsafe handling of a firearm. The film's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who was responsible for all firearms on set, is awaiting trial for involuntary manslaughter later this year. Baldwin waived his right to an arraignment, and his lawyers have demanded a speedy trial. The actor currently is not permitted to own firearms or consume alcohol or illicit drugs, and he's not allowed to travel outside of the United States without permission of the court. Baldwin is permitted to interact with cast and crew as long as he doesn't discuss the case or influence witnesses. I'm Kevin Carr. Universal Music Group will no longer allow its music on TikTok after a licensing deal between the two parties expired. Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaroleta takes a look. TikTok videos of people lip syncing to Harry Styles or dancing to Taylor Swift will not be allowed anymore. Universal Music says it has not agreed to terms of a new deal with TikTok and will not license its artists on that platform. Universal is also home to Adele, Billie Eilish, Drake, The Weeknd, SZA, and Bad Bunny. Universal says TikTok has safety issues, pays its artists a fraction of what other social media platforms pay, and promotes the development of music with artificial intelligence. TikTok says Universal has put its own greed above the interests of its artists. TikTok says it's reached artists' first agreements with every other label and publisher. I'm Archie Zaroleta. You can usually bet on everything, but not Taylor Swift. U.S. sports books will not be taking bets on whether the singer will be at the Super Bowl. Lisa Dwyer has that story. Fans have been wondering for days whether Taylor Swift will make it to the Super Bowl next week to cheer on her boyfriend Travis Kelsey and the Kansas City Chiefs, and if so, how many times she'll show up on TV. They can speculate all they want, but they won't be able to bet on it legally in the United States. Betting laws vary from state to state, but the general rule is that wagering is limited to what happens on the field. A handful of states allow bets to be placed on things such as the color of the Gatorade dumped on the winning coach. Red or pink is this year's plus 260 favorite at FanDuel Sportsbook. But even that type of wager is not allowed in Las Vegas. Wagers on Swift and other off-field events can still be made with offshore sportsbooks such as BetUS, which is based in Costa Rica. I'm Lisa Dwyer. America in the Morning for Thursday, February 1st, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Our senior producer is Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. 
The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 